The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today is one, I'm telling you, it's just jam-packed. We have Shannon Ford, who was on the Cavalier, very Cavalier show, and she gets into all of her finances, how much she spends, how much she makes. It's literally going to blow your mind. And also, we have a person from the money mafia that's on board. She started a printables company on Etsy, literally by just printing games that people can play if they're on a bachelorette party. You can print it out, you can buy it, and she started selling those. And was making thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. She then created a class for people to do the same. They're now making millions. So we have a viewer from the Money Mafia that comes on and gives us a 10-minute breakdown of their whole story. We have Shannon Ford who talks about every penny coming in the door and out the door. And you'll want to stay tuned to the recap because the Curious Canadian has so many thoughts. But before we open the bell with Shannon Ford, David... You got any thoughts? Well, I love the connection there between making money off bachelorette parties and then Shannon Ford being from Nashville because Nashville is the bachelorette capital of the world. So a little connection there. Uh, Awesome story from one of the Money Mafia members. But look, if it's Monday and you're listening to this and you need a little pick-me-up in confidence, just listen to Shannon Ford. She'll inject it right into you. Uh, There are no no signs of... uh, of her not knowing what she wants and how she's going to get it. So uh, an absolute electric episode with Shannon Ford. If you lack any confidence, you take just a little sprinkle of the Shannon Ford theory. No, the shit, what would you call it? The Shannon Ford swag? Is it? No, I would call like the Shannon Ford sizzle. The sh- yes, it's the Shannon Ford sizzle. Take a little sprinkle of that, put in your life and you'll be good to go and make sure you st- stay tuned to the recap because whether Shannon knows or not, which maybe she forgot, She's met the curious Canadian. So Shannon, if you're listening, you better listen to the recap too. Let's bring in the opening bell with Shannon Ford. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, I am joined by the fun-loving and highly successful social media star, Shannon Ford. Many of you may initially remember her as one of the main personalities on the hit TV show, Very Cavallari, where she worked as the social media manager for Kristen Cavallari's fashion company, Uncommon James. Although Shannon's time on the show lasted just beyond one season, she was able to turn what could have been 15 minutes of fame into a full-blown career success story. Today, we are here to discuss the highs and lows of her time on reality TV, her highly successful social media career, podcast, and where she sees herself going from here. Shannon, thank you so much for being here today. We are in New York City. New York City, baby. I know. Well, that's what I think is so ironic. You and I lived in Nashville (laughs) for so long. We probably ran into each other three or four times, and here we are in New York. Where do you do you live in New York? Do you live in Nashville? What's your story? I split time. So, like, I was coming to New York so often that I was, and hotels in New York are a whole nother beast that you have to navigate. So, I looked at my Amex one day and was like, what the fuck? The amount I'm spending staying at the Dominic, I, I, I could fucking have rent here. So, yeah. anyways, I just was like, if it works out, it works out. I didn't put too much like stock or thought into it. I just was like, I'm not going to look for months on end. I'm going to look right. one time. I'm going to come here. And if something lands in my lap perfectly, that makes sense, then I'll do it. And then, of course, bloop, it just happened. 
perfectly, okay. perfect department, perfect everything. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll do a year. I'll never regret doing a year, but I couldn't give up Nashville. Yeah. So like, you know, coming onto a finance <laughs> podcast, being like things I wouldn't recommend having two separate <laughs> like, rents. But, you know, I just like, I was like, you're 28. You can do it right now. You don't even have so much as a goldfish at home. I didn't have a boyfriend at the time. I had okay. no obligations, no anything. Yeah. So I was like, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm going to do it. I think for me, one of the biggest things I want to check off the bucket list and never have, maybe never will, is living in New York City. And everyone said that whenever I was like toying with the idea, yeah. people were like, oh, I always said it was so many people that now have kids and now have mm -hmm. things that are like, I always said I like wanted to live in New York once in my life. And I'm like, OK, well, then I can say I did it. Check. And honestly, I don't I don't regret it. I don't even know if I'll resign my lease coming up, but okay. I don't regret it. And it was great. Okay. We're a numbers podcast guy. Getting the numbers. You said Dominic, you or you, you would live, or, I'm sorry, you would rent a room. Dominic's a hotel. Yes. And okay. I, in Soho. And what I would and do, what's the cost of Dominic? Oh my God. I mean like for the cheapest room yeah. would be like, it'd be like after taxes and all the hotel. I mean, there's so many the New York fees, fees like all this crazy shit. Of control with the fees. <clears throat> um, it would end up being like 450 a night. And then what I would do, because New York is this beautiful, crazy beast in itself, I would be here. And this is why I was so drawn to New York. Every okay. time I was inside of New York, something good would happen to me. I would get some sort of opportunity, mm. but they'd be like, are you staying here till Thursday? Because you could do X, Y, Z. And there's just always something, something, something going on okay. and happening. Okay. And I'd be like, yeah, I can stay till Thursday. So then I'd extend my stay. Gotcha. So every time I came to New York, I was staying for three days, but then okay. I'd stay for six. Okay. I gotcha. mean, that's like upwards. 2, bucks. Yeah. 20, I mean, that's just without like the fees. hundred percent. And I was doing it twice a month. Okay. So like five grand a month and just like hotels. Damn. That's just crazy. And then of course, when you're staying in a hotel, you're like, I get room service. Oh, I might as well order coffee. Why well, couldn't walk across the street to the fucking Starbucks? Why wouldn't I just order a $14 fucking French press? Can the I say breakfast? fuck on this podcast? You Sorry. could say fuck anytime you want. Okay, the great. breakfast situation at these hotels where they'll charge you the $10 service fee, the $20 pot of coffee. It's like a $200 breakfast. I'm like literally just ate a $20 avocado and then I'm feeling terrible <laughs> that I didn't tip the guy five bucks that like brought it to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you, you then decide you're going to live here. What do you pay for rent now in the place you got? Because the place looks unreal, by the way. It's great. It's it's overpriced. I grew up in the South, so this is so crass. My mom would be like, why did you ever say that? But I, I'm happy to say that I pay $7,000 for my apartment in New York, which is astronomically more than what I paid Nashville. for my three-bedroom, beautiful two-story, backyard, fenced-in, live in 12 South home in Nashville, Tennessee. Two-car garage. It's astronomically more. It's not double but it's close. Close to double. And do you have roommates in that? No. Okay. No. But if you did have roommates and you split that with a yeah. three bedroom. Listen, I'm not like the perfect person to talk about finances. <laughs> no, I'm you learning. are though, because this is relatable. I'm learning. And I think a lot of the things that I choose to do in my life is the hard way. Like almost literally everything in my life, <laughs> I feel like I've learned the hard way and finances is right up there. And it's just one of those things where, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, but you know, it's, they don't make it easy. I'm getting really off track here, but they don't make no, it easy to buy a home per se. And it's like, they make it scary. They don't teach us shit in school. So like when people are like, why wouldn't you just buy, you have the money to buy one. I'm like, I never know where I want to end up. Okay. Like now I date someone in London. I'm like, do I want to live in Nashville the rest of my life? Do I want to yeah. be tied down to a home? Does the only investment I want to make in my life, real estate, people get so tied, like fixated on like real estate being like your way to make money and invest. And I'm like, it's not the only way you can make money from investing. Like You're you don't have to right. buy a house to invest. It's not always the stupidest thing in the world to rent. No, you're 100% It's just not. Right. And people get, people that like, 
grow up the way I grew up with like parents that have nine to five. It's always like you get a starter home and then one day you sell the starter home and you make however many thousand dollars from that. And then you get a bigger home and you always are making these increments. But I'm like, it's not it's not like the end all be all. A hundred percent. I mean, I think there's a lot of pros and cons to renting versus buying. Sure. Guys, stay tuned in the recap. We'll go through those pros and cons. But I think one of the big cons is it locks you in. Like you're stuck. You don't have flexibility. You can't go to London. You can't fly no. there and then meet your next love not, of your life because you're stuck to where you need to be. Yeah. And I'm like a, and I'm not trying to put myself in some like sexist category here, but like, I'm just going to speak for myself. Like I'm a 28 year old, like single as a not married female living alone. I don't know what the fuck to do if my rate is radiator in a car fuck uh no those are in houses too if something goes out in my house like i don't want to be the one to fix i don't want to have to pay yeah. like i watch my parents be like oh my way to fix the roof it's five thousand yeah, dollars i yeah. pick up the phone and call my rent i'm like yo you got a hole in your roof you gotta fix this shit and they come over and fix it i'm like i just i'm not ready to commit to like being a homeowner okay yet got and i don't think there's anything wrong with me not wanting to hedge my fucking bushes i do you know what you <laughs> I just don't. She doesn't want to add your bushes. I appreciate that. I love it. Question I got for you. You got a place in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Got a place in New York. Yeah. Are you going to renew your place in New York? And you talked about already the cost benefit of it. Then we're getting into your career journey. Has it made sense? The 7K you are spending no. a month. It hasn't. You no. haven't got the return on it. No, but... I met this, I met a guy, I met a boy, but like I, I met a guy that lives in London, which actually New York did make a lot more sense than me because I always take the flight, the nonstop flight from Nashville, or and sorry, from easy. New York to London, of it's course. It's easier to go New York to London than it is to go New York to LA. 100%. Yeah. 100%. 100%. So all that being said, it's made sense in that regard, but it's it's just been a very like frugal, not frugal decision, but like the things that's helped me in, I'm like, oh my God, having my apartment during fashion week was so convenient. I'm like, bitch, like, yeah, I'm sure it was, but- I would say it did not make sense to have a $7,000 apartment. If I re-sign my lease, which is coming up soon in the next, you know, three, four months, I will look for a studio apartment. I wasn't here enough. I remember at the time I was like, yeah. I have to have a kitchen. Like yeah. I have to have a, sh a shower with a bath. Like I yeah. have to have this. And now I'm like, I don't even need a fucking wall. Like I, <laughs> I come here, I do my thing. I don't entertain people at my house. I'm not mm -hmm. having soirees at my, I mean, I could, it's a fabulous apartment. I really should. If anyone wants to come for happy hour, let me know. But I, I don't like do enough to, for the space I have and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful. But if I re-sign, I'll get a studio apartment. I'll go to the West Village instead of the area I'm in now. Like okay. I'll do things that make more sense that I now understand having lived in New York for a year. Yeah. But it was, cool to have the fabulous place for a while but yeah it doesn't it's not a hundred percent necessary all the luxury i had with it just, i just don't need it got it all right my last question on the question on the apartment situation where we're going to move from it is do you because i get concerned in this world right we got the podcast we actually have an agency we do investing and stuff all this yeah. bullshit it's going really well totally but what i get worried about is like tomorrow it could end do you at all get concerned about the world that we like that tomorrow this is over when you got 10K plus in rent a month? Does that go on your radar? No, I'm like so 100% sure that in this lifetime, I will always fucking make money. Like, and I just know I will. What, so I love that. And I that's know part I will. of your confidence. And that's part of your success. Why do you, because a lot of people listening right now, uh -huh. and the reason they tune into this is because they don't feel that way. They don't feel that way in the career. They don't feel that in the life. They don't feel that in their next steps and dealing with their boss and what they're doing. Yeah. What is like the secret Shannon Ford sauce that makes you feel like that? There are aspects of my life that I don't feel that confident in. And honestly, maybe it's like, I'm like trying to convince myself. What's that called when you're like trying to, 
you're like saying something that you don't even know is true yet, but you're like, it's gotta be true. Yeah, not yeah, not yeah, manifesting, yeah. but I don't know the, what the phrase I was looking for, but truly I grew up with no money at all. And I've talked about this on my podcast before. Like I grew up in a double wide in South Carolina, like a trailer, great family, did not know I was poor. There's several instances where I like laughed to my mom being like, oh, this girl in school said I live in a trailer. And she's like, "We well, that's not very nice, but you do. And I was like, <laughs> no, we don't. And she was like, there are wheels underneath this. <laughs> My poor mom, she's like having to explain to her daughter that like, yeah. yes, we live in a trailer. And I'm like, we live in a fucking trailer? And she's like, yes, Shannon, it's okay. <laughs> but like, I, I didn't live in a trailer park per se. So like, I just didn't understand that we didn't have money okay. because my parents truly did give us the best life. And yes, did every fucking Christmas and maybe people listening to this can relate. Like every Christmas, my mom would sit us down and she'd be like, this Christmas is going to be a little bit different than last Christmas. And we'd be like, here we go. She, and we'd be like, it's okay, mom. We don't care about presents. And she'd be like, I'm just saying there's a lot, what you guys got last year, it's just going to be a little bit that every Christmas we were happy as kids on Christmas ever were, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, but all that trees that I just like didn't grow up with it. And then I didn't make money. And we can talk about more like when I was on the show and like before I did that, yeah. even on the show, we didn't get paid anything to be on the show. It was the, the opportunity and the platform it gave us, obviously, which a lot of people know that in reality TV and that's why they go on it. But like I, the second I got a taste of money because I've always been like grinding, like was I making bucks? No, but I was right. always like when I had a job, like if, when I worked at a law firm, right? And I had this mm -hmm. like salary, I was always like YouTubing how to install extensions into people's hair and like figuring out how to like put like weave in girls hair so that I could make money on the back end. And then I'd convince people that I was good enough at makeup. I was not to do their <laughs> makeup professionally for like these like music videos or whatever. And I would just like really con my way into getting hired for these like random one off jobs. And I just always have been like, I'm gonna make money. Like I will. Do you have that like memory that's burned inside your brain where someone had mentioned that? You live in a trailer and your mom's like, we do. Yeah. And that's like part of your grit. Oh my God. If anyone like follows my podcast or like listens to any other podcast I've been on, I feel like I tell that story all the time. Like we love our trailer, but like it is such a core memory because yeah. I just was like, no, we don't. There's no way we're that broke. And my mom's like, yeah, we are. <laughs> like we are. And like the first time I found out what Joe, do you know what Joe Boxer was? Joe Boxer, like, it was I a, remember Joe Boxer. It was a brand, yeah, right? I remember My they, mom would bring boxers. us all these cute clothes yeah. and they were always Joe Boxer. And I was like, uh, love, smiley faces were on and whatever. And I went to school one day, fucking, by the way, kids, like kids are the worst. <laughs> and um, this kid was like, that's from Kmart. And I was like, I don't know who you're talking to, but this is not from Kmart. And they were like, I was like, my mom shops at Kmart for like things like trash bags and stuff. Yeah. And they're like, all your clothes are from Kmart. And I was like, no, they aren't. And went home and was like, is this from Kmart? And my mom was like, <laughs> First of all, it is very nice. I was like, oh, you're ruining my life. <laughs> but like, yeah, like there were these moments where I was like, I want to shop at Abercrombie. I want to have these things. Like I just wanted these things. And my mom and my dad, they didn't always not have money. Like my mom and dad, I look at photos of them when they were younger. I'm like, okay, you guys lived it up. Then they had three kids and life yeah. happens. And you know, those times were different. And my mom's a travel agent. So like, I don't know, I, I just want, always knew I wanted to make money. And when I was younger yeah. and naive and grew up in the South, I was like, I'll marry rich. And then I got to an age where I was like, what the, I'll be fucking rich. And hopefully also marry rich and that'd be great. And we could just both be rich. But like, yeah, I just, I've never wanted to have to like have those moments with my kids. And if I do one day, that's okay. And like, I don't, 
fault my parents for it at all. Like I said, I had the best childhood ever. I didn't know we didn't have money, yeah, but totally. I just, yeah, those things make me want to like work hard. And yeah. like, even if I work hard and don't make as much as I make right now, like I'll always work to make money. So I just don't stress out about it. I also just don't look at my bank account and be like, it has to get more, 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 more. I'm like, yeah. that is the goal. But my goal is I just want to live life and be happy. And you just really can't take that shit with you when you go. And I don't know my future kids or grandkids yet, but I'm just like not inclined to leave it all to them. I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they could like, be fuckheads. Like, yeah, you give them a couple bucks and they might get. You I'm know, just like not trying to like have generational wealth. I don't give a fuck about them yet. I, so, I mean, I literally need to take all those qualities and apply them to my <laughs> life because all the things you're saying you don't do are the things that I overdo. Yeah, I overlook at the money. I overthink about what am I leaving? Am I leaving well, I generational? Do it more. Well, but there's also something to be like. We get. I, I say this even in the book that I wrote. We get like seven on average. I don't know, 60, 70 years of living. Right. Take away our, our yeah. years of adulting, eighteen. We're down <clears throat> to like forty, fifty. Yeah. Right. Dogs live that till twenty-two. No, that shit scares me more than like money. Like living start, life. Like yeah. I want to live life. I want to be like fruitful and fulfilled in my life. And if that means eating caviar at the coast of Italy, and like I probably shouldn't with my current intake of funds. If I want to do that, I'm gonna fucking do it. You're and gonna I'm do it. Never gonna do anything that makes me genuinely like. I've never ever like. I've never been in debt. Everything I own, I own. Like I'm not in debt to anyone, no, right? No rolling credit card debt. None, 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 zero, right, zero, that. zero, zero. I'm actually like also grew up when my parents like made us think credit cards were evil. Yeah. And so like, even now when I like look at my Amex, I pay it off. Like people are like, you don't have to do that. Sometimes my mom is like, you should leave a credit on there so you can build credit. And I'm yeah. like, no, 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 I have to pay it off. No, because pay like, it off. Yeah, don't I leave any balance. Like I always Tell. pay it off. And so <laughs> I forget what she said. You should just, I was trying to close one one time. She's like, don't close it. I'm like, ugh. But all that being said, like I just genuinely, like I said, if you think about the generations, think about kids that grew up with super wealthy grandparents sure. that had super wealthy parents, yep. shitheads, no work ethic. Okay, I'm speaking, I'm really general, generalizing, no, it's generalizing here. but I see what you're but, saying. But like, do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, totally. I kind of want to just like fuck around and have, uh, take my kids to Disney World when they want to go, give them a fabulous yeah. life. But whenever I'm gone, I'm like, okay, <laughs> figure that shit out yourself. Now you got to do it. Like, I'm not yeah. inclined to leave them a bucket of money. No, I feel I really the same. Like, even if like, I have the money to give, if I do, I'm in that scenario. Even for college, if I have the money to give to my kids, yeah. what I would do is I would make them take out loans. I would explain what the loan is. Yeah. I'd explain what the class costs, what they're doing. They got a budget at all. And if they did it right, they like worked hard, they had a side job, they did it right. Then on graduation you, day, yeah. I would hand them a check that's and say like, it's all paid smart. for, right? That's to get smart. it taken care of. Because yeah. people will just take advantage of that. One thing I got to jump into, I promise we're going to get into Shannon's story, but the curiosity is just driving me. I talk a lot about behavioral-based budgeting. Okay. I say like, you can look at your credit card statement and tell a lot about your life story, like how you grew up, where you grew up, <laughs> what you want to do, how you want to do. You have every outfit you have. I swear to God, I look at it, I'm like 7K plus head to toe. You got everything working. Do you think part of the reason you have such like incredible style game and get what you want when you want is because you're like, you know what? As a kid, I didn't have it. I now work my ass off. I now make money. I don't give a shit. I'm getting what I want. Yes, but I have officially gotten to a point where I'm like, bitch, that is so new money. You got to chill. Yeah. Like, I definitely was like, everything has to have a label. And I said that people would be like, I just need advice on what first designer bag. I'm like, don't ask me. I'm so new money. I'm like <laughs> trashy as fuck. Like, I just genuinely like if it has a logo on it, like I was buying it. And that I'm like, definitely in my one of my best friends, she grew up with a lot more wealth in her family. And so she'd always be like, 
get something like a little more subtle. And I'd be like, subtle? No. Like, I'd be like, I'm not buying that. It doesn't have the logo on it. How would anyone know? That was always like, you know, like Joe Boxer, Joe Boxer's like running through my head. So I definitely have, I think, outgrown that. But okay. I mean, like, yeah, I still walked in with a Fendi cargo jacket where I'm like, fabulous. I mean, it's sick. But no, I, I think, yes, it was definitely stemmed from that. But I, I also something that I don't, re- I think people don't realize, and I, I should say, I, I realized I was preaching about this on my podcast and someone's like, this is not, I wasn't preaching about it, but I was just saying, I sell a lot of my designer clothing. Love that. I All the time, all the time. And sometimes I make money on them. Is it always that return? Sure. No. Yeah. But usually if I'm about to buy a purse or a jacket or something fabulous, I'll always like sell stuff first. That's like a thing I do in my head. But I realized that most people don't have the platform I have where they can just post it to 400,000 people right, and, and sell it immediately it. versus other people would have to do it to a third party site. And then they they take 40%. I sell them on Instagram and I just get the money straight to Venmo. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. That's not everyone can do that. But okay, I love that. Angle, I'm starting though. to like be like, okay, you don't need, you don't need all this stuff. <laughs> like you have a lot of stuff. And also I date a guy whose dad was an investment banker, still is like, just like very finance forward. Yep. I, I told him I was going on a finance podcast. He's like, interesting. So like, yeah, I, I, he's helping me. And like my friends and family are like, you, you don't need it all. And then you yeah. just, you grow up, you, you, you grow up and you've had this, I've had this life now for, I guess, four to five years. And you do, you you do all the stuff that's flashy and fun. And then you're like, okay, I don't need to do all that. Okay, it's not let's, necessary. Let's end with this. Of the elegant, crazy lifestyle of Shannon Ford, what would you say the number one worst purchase decision you made was and how much was it? It was like impulsive, over the top, the cost of it. What was it? You look back and you're like, damn, maybe shouldn't have done that. Okay. I wonder if my boat might have been a rash decision. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I've been on that boat. I forgot. It's a great boat. Do you um, still have it? I have it. I don't. How much did you spend on that boat? Sixty-five thousand. Okay. The first thing I was thinking, you're just. I thought you were going to say your G wagon. No, G wagons appreciated. I was going to say it's I've been offered now. so much money for that yeah, G wagon. A ton of it. I'm literally like just rolling around. Like anyone, <laughs> people like stop me. You're like, I'll buy your car. Also, I've like put the wheels on it and all those lights yeah, yeah, at the top. Yeah. But like you yeah. know that. And every time I get in that car, yeah, I'm happy. Okay, you know what I mean. <laughs> every time I, I like pop it in, I'm like, I'm happy. And so I don't regret that. But I also bought it used. I bought it like I didn't. Okay, I I, I think it's silly to buy new cars. My yeah, mom yeah, even yeah. is like, one day you'll buy a new car and you'll just get it. And I'm like, I just don't think I will. I get that. But yeah, the boat, I love like I love the boat. I use the boat. I grew up on the lake. I grew up around boats. It, it makes me happy, but I do I do not utilize it the way I should. Okay. The boat slip that I have to pay for is four hundred dollars a month. Four hundred a month. Yeah. The insurance is really expensive because I'm a twenty I was at the time twenty six year old that bought a boat. Yeah. And then like I the my boat got eaten by rats this winter like the seeds <laughs> like you have to get the seeds repaired like the bimini came off and there's all these things that like owning a home you're like what yeah. the fuck do i have to fix my bimini yeah. and it's like well you do because it's your boat so it's a lot of things that i'm like i don't know if i should be like a boat owner but <laughs> i mean i like it when i use it but that is one thing that i almost wish i'm like you could have just got on your friend's boats I think, Shannon, what we're going to have to do is we might have to do a part two episode okay. where you and I sit down <laughs> we go through and I all. go through all your fixes, okay. but your $400 boat slip, your seven k or your da 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 Scary. And what we're going to do is we're going to offload a bunch of these assets. Okay, I'm down. We're going to decrease your monthly expense. We're going to sell a bunch of shit. You're going to get a huge cash inflow. And then people are going to be like, 
damn, that's what I'm it. talking about. Let's... She crushed it. Okay. We're going to get to that. All right. That was, okay. Every conversation we just had right now was not in the playbook. So let's go back to the playbook so we can have something from this But we pot. do have to have a yard sale with all my stuff. We'll do a yard sale. Okay. We'll get content for it. Perfect. Maybe we get a brand to sponsor it. We Love. got Evan here who does a lot of your agent work. Start What's a thinking, fancy Evan. word for a yard sale? I mean, there was a garage sale. There was a yard, estate sale. Estate sale. Estate. We'll I'm like the, in a we'll estate sale. We'll do the Shannon sale. Ford estate sale. It's Perfect. coming. If you guys want to come, go put in the comments. Give us five stars. Let us know. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Shannon Ford, you go on Very Cavalry after you graduate. You are known as the social media manager for Uncommon James. Was Put those air quotes away. I was. You were. Before the show, you were the social before media the manager. Show. Okay. So how'd you land that job? like on a whim. So we all got casted for the show. Sure. No, everyone was contacted by an agency, the block agency or someone yeah. like that. Like, I think it was all the block agency contacted all of us. Okay. And we all, he was friends with Kristen. And so he kind of helped with the casting. And then a bunch of us went to the formal casting with the network, sat down. But all of this was like pre-job, right? Okay. And then <clears throat> she actually interviewed people. She needed two jobs in the beginning. She needed a social media manager and she needed someone to ship her things. And so I was like, I want to apply for the social media job. I don't want to ship shit. And then I applied with absolutely no credentials. No, there was no reason anyone should have hired me to be a social media Did manager. Did you live in Nashville at the time? I lived in Nashville. What were you doing for work? For work, I was, what was I doing at the time? Like installing illegally hair extensions, like in, and like random one-off modeling jobs from, I think my parents had like literally just sat me down and were like, you literally, we cannot give you, I mean, they were giving me like $47 randomly when I would ask for it, but like, they were like, we can't keep giving you like, where does 47 because I would call them and be like, hear me out. I have everything I need to pay my this, 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 but I'm short 47. Like, you know what I mean? I would just yeah. like not budget. And so by the time bills came, I'd be like, I need, but it was every week. I need $47. I need $104. I need, but this, that's all I need. Exactly that. And they'd be like, Ugh. and they were like, no more. We're not going to keep giving you these odds and ends. You said when you were moving to Nashville and you dropped out of college, cause I did like you were gonna make it. You got to do that then. And so I was like, all right. So I was working at a law firm. That is what I was doing beforehand as a paralegal making shit money. It was a yeah. horrible job. I hated my life. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, I met with her, basically told her why I wanted to be the social media manager. I think like I literally just told her like poor Kristen. I was just like, yeah, like I'm really good at social media. I've always been good at it. People always look at my Instagram and are like, I love it. <laughs> She's like, okay. And yeah, I basically, she was, she messaged me, she emailed me and was like, I think you're going to be great for the show. I loved meeting you. I don't think you make sense for the social media role. <laughs> I was like, fuck fair. Would love to ship stuff. <laughs> you know, now I've changed my tune. And then um, Mark Block, shouts out to him. He tells me his side of the story is that he told her, I think you made a mistake. I think you should look into her. And she was interviewing people who had actual like social media sure. experience. Back, yeah. And so anyways, I somehow get into this like top four, whatever, five people that she was narrowing it down. And what she did was say, She's like, I'm going to give you six photos of this jewelry that I'm launching and you have to caption it. Show me how you would package it for social media and send it out. I sat there for hours being like, okay, like this thinking about going to like different jewelry websites and be like, how do they do it? How do they do it? And I was like, I, I don't talk like that. I don't do social media like that. Like I was yeah. always sarcastic. Like I, I was always doing stuff that was a little different back in the day to yeah. give myself credit. Yeah. And I just realized that if I got the job doing stuff from what I found on Kendra Scott's website, like I would never 
it would the job would be so hard for me for the rest of the time I had it. Yeah. So I wrote this email and I'm always such an over talker, over adder. Like I'm so not professional when I email. I'm trying to get better about that, but I'm always like, LOL, hee hee, sorry, LOL. And they're always like, please by EOD respond accordingly. But um, yeah, I wrote like, hey, this might totally not be up your alley. You might think this is so weird and inappropriate, but this is the take I would do on it. And I thought to myself, if you don't like this, then I wouldn't be any good at the job anyways. Yeah. And I wrote pretty inappropriate things like the names of the jury were like stud and i like made a funny like i would just like not inappropriate sexually but like i just made them like bold and like crass, off cuff, off cuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and i wasn't like take this jury from nine to five like sure. whatever for you day to night basically you right basic. and she wrote back i want to say within 20 minutes and said jay and i just laughed our ass off these are the best like you got the job you're hired unreal and, and i was like oh my god like seriously like i was Pumped. So when you Pumped. take that job, though, you get hired, which is unreal. Is it more of like you are the air quote social media person on the show? Or were you the show didn't go on like, for another year? OK, so you were yeah. working full time job, social mm -hmm. media manager for Uncommon James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And in a role like that around, how much can you make? When we started, it was like it was so great. It was such a startup. Like we were in her living room, right? Like I remember she would pay us hourly at first. Yeah. Great really yeah. great right and then not what way above minimum wage gotcha and then i would help out with shipping sometimes and then when the show <laughs> got, got the picked up <laughs> love shipping and then when the show got picked up we moved to like this little tiny office and then or yeah no we moved to we moved to like her office yeah and then it was like all of a sudden i'll never forget i like she started paying us tax doing it with taxes okay. right like i started getting an actual paycheck from uncommon james llc or whatever it was and i I like sent her text. I was like, hey, sorry. I just like wasn't prepared for the pay cut. Like I was just confused. And I remember specifically, she was like, I did not cut your pay, Shannon. Like, <laughs> you are just now getting taxes taken out that you will get back. And I was like, right. Okay, sorry. I just like wasn't used to that. But I mean, what I was making, I think at my height of working for her was maybe like, I think like $3,500 a month. Okay. And then so you that, do you also get paid to be on the show? I did get paid to be on the show. We got paid fifteen hundred dollars an episode and okay. we had eight episodes for the first season okay so, so i only, i got paid fifteen hundred dollars taxes taken out twelve hundred eight times okay so like a standard reality tv show rate yeah you finish the there's a show yeah you no longer have the job you've no. talked extensively about I, I'm, that. i wasn't good i i just like was a shit employee yeah. to be fair yeah, yeah i wasn't qualified fair. for the job to begin with i could have like really like grinded and worked hard and like taken courses online to better myself i didn't do it i started yeah. getting my own Instagram popping off. And she even said like in one of the shows, I remember I was so butthurt about it. She was like, she just wants to be famous on her own. She doesn't care about our company. And I was like, how dare she? Now I'm like, that was so, so true. true. <laughs> yeah, like what? Like hundred percent. Like, yeah. So it's things that when you're, when you're 22 and you're just so like flustered and all you care about is yourself and all you care about is your image and this, you just, you get so bothered, but you're like, why are you so bothered? Because yeah, it's true. Totally. Yeah. So like, like yeah. If, if it's bothering you that much and it's hitting a nerve that you didn't expect, yeah. there's obviously some reality. Right. To I it. wasn't like super happy with the way the show shaked out all the way, but there's so many producers involved. We know how yeah. reality TV works. Of like, course. She, yeah. you, you get the shit into the stick sometimes. I got the great end of the stick a lot of the times. Yeah. So sure. you know, my ending wasn't great, but it's okay. Okay. So a lot of people ask. So a lot of people keep up to you. your community is amazing. By the way, your social media community, the people love you. But there's a lot of people that are just reality TV watchers, and then they go on their way. Yeah. And they might say right now, what is Shannon doing? Yeah. If someone said to you, okay, show's over. What is Shannon doing now? How would you respond? I have a podcast. I would definitely put like my podcast above my Instagram. I was going to ask which that. Which is like 
a really cool feeling because, you know, a podcast is like not easy. It's a very oversaturated business. Like it's it's just I don't know. I, I really take such pride in that the day people started coming out to me being like, I love your podcast instead of I follow you or yes. like I, I watch your stories. And actually, one of my best friends one time we were out on Broadway and a bunch of girls. I mean, that's, you know, the breeding ground for yeah, bachelor parties TV and every, watchers. watchers yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everyone was coming up to me being like, oh, I love your podcast. And I was like, oh, my God, thanks. Thanks. Whatever, whatever. And then Taylor was like, whoa. And I was like, what? And she was like, because she gets recognized all the time. Yeah. I was like, what, bitch? They were out talking to you too. And she was like, no, like everyone says your podcast now. They don't say I follow you. They say like, I love your podcast. And I was like, yeah, isn't that cool? And she's like, yeah, like it just, it was such a passion project for me. It was such a more of a like in-depth me versus me just like slinging products on Instagram. And yeah. like, yes, I'm my real self on my Instagram too. And that's for sure what, why people I think follow me. But I don't know. I put so much work, effort, time, money. And yeah. like, it's hard work. And it's Instagram. I could go off the grid for a weekend. It wouldn't matter, whatever. I have to really be held accountable with my podcast. I have to be consistent. I have to do all these things that like are work. And for a while there, I was kind of just like, do, do, do. I have a job. But like, when you're just like, posting products on Instagram, you make your own schedule. You don't really have like, you're not held to anything other than the deadline of posting the product, right? Right. Versus this podcast is it's like work go and it's gotta, it's gotta go gotta out. You're sitting here, it's a whole you fucking get production. You the audio, it's every angle. It's a hustle. I like employ people. I'm like, whoa, that's yeah. crazy. I'm someone's boss. Like that's nuts. Also, when someone recognizes you for something other than the platform that you're from, which is from the show, yeah. it's such a testament to the fact you, car you did, did something, something different. Yeah. And you did it. Let's talk about the podcast for a second. Probably another podcast. I went on Apple and according Probably to Apple podcast. at least, probably a podcast, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Probably a Probably another podcast would have been funny though. Probably a <laughs> podcast. Yes. Go search it, check it out. Welcome, Welcome to the Dear Media Network. We're going to get into that in a second. Thanks. But the last episode when I scrolled all the way to the first one, I saw was August 2nd, 2021. Uh -huh. And you had your co-host MC. I thought you had started the podcast before that. I did. So my best friend MC and I had a podcast preface it. We're still great friends, okay. we, which is like a feat in itself. I'm like, we both deserve a gold medal and star for like being like our friendship is more important than, you know, because when you go into business, people in podcasts, it's business. When you do that with someone, I don't know, we've seen it happen with Color Daddy. We've seen how sure. things can just like explode. Blow up. Yeah. And, and we basically, she was no longer comfortable with the things we were talking about. And it wasn't really her per se. She was always like great on the podcast. She was, she was definitely a lot more of the technical side too. Like yeah. I, when I was like, I'm going to do this on my own now. I was like, oh fuck. And I didn't want to run back to her and be like, wait, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I do that? That was another thing. I'm like, oh my God, I never realized how much she did. I remember calling her being like, I never thanked you enough. Like you did so much, but yeah, I, I think people in her life weren't comfortable with some of the content we were putting out. To be fair, the podcast back then was a lot, a lot more sexual. Okay. And but, it was But, but did she hilarious. not know the premise of the show before? She did. Everyone did. Oh, so it was, That's it was my people own... surrounding. It wasn't mm -hmm. her. It, was, it wasn't her. People surrounding her asked but her to take a leave of absence. In life you have to think about what's the most important the same way we were like, our friendship is more important than a podcast. I love in that. her life, like those things. And I fully agreed. I, anyone that she loves and adores, I love and adore. And okay. that's the truth because we've been best friends for nine years. So like, I wasn't even remotely like, how could you do this to sure. me? I was like, oh my gosh, my best friend is now in a situation that is so hard for her. Okay, I need understand. to be there for her. Was I a shining star in that? No, I had my moments where I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? Like we had a network <laughs> deal at the time, like that was like about to be signed on the dotted lines that like, you know. When you started the podcast, did you have a network deal? No, no. Mm -mm. So you earned the network deal after what? 
Yeah, after, after how many episodes? After I don't I would I wouldn't remember ten episodes. We had we went our first episode went number one. I remember it was like above the I Joe Rogan that. podcast, yeah. above Caller Daddy. I was like, what the fuck? Like That's it was so unreal. it was insane. It was so wonderful. And the episode was called Leaky Vagina. Like it was literally about <laughs> oh, female discharge. Okay. <laughs> like that's the content we were rocking with. So like mm, I kind of see where her, you know, like hesitation was. <laughs> but like all that being said, I just like I just really do respect my best friend and I respect that like she had to do what she had to do. And and it wasn't like, I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't like we were the Joe Rogan show. Yeah, 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 it yeah, wasn't yeah. like we were caller daddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the show could go on. And honestly, it was it was branded as probably podcast from the get go. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, I have to do this rebrand. I have to do nothing was irreplaceable and nothing was. And I know I'm going to sound cheesy, but like nothing was not worth like losing my friend and like not understanding my friend. And I just did, I really understood her. You're so good at balancing the work life perspective. Like you're yeah. not just tunnel vision to the work and the money. You're so balanced in all directions. It's unbelievable. But that shit doesn't matter in the end. Like I said, yeah. as much as I like always wanna have money and I wanna eat the caviar and I wanna be in Italy, like the currency it's, I'm trying to have when I fucking go out the window is the people in my and, life. And like, it sounds like happiness to yeah. people and happiness. Yeah. That's how you measure your currency. God, I love that. That <laughs> could be the title of the podcast. When you guys started, how did you start? Did you start with a network or did you start on your own? Start on our own. We, she was, she had a background in radio. So that's what she was just like. I mean, when I tell you, I was like, I can get on, I can, I have a podcast. Like, what do we do? Just like fucking talk. She's like, bitch, hold the fuck up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like she would like seriously have to like reel me in. Did she know I could entertain a crew? Mm -hmm. For sure. But like, like she would like have it set up. There were times we'd have to scrap a whole episode because she'd be like, Shannon, Wasn't you interrupted good. me the whole time. And like, we didn't get any points crossed. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, okay, you're right. But like, yeah, we just basically started for me, very green. She had background in radio. She worked for a massive channel, Sirius X on the highway. Yeah. She was a co-host. So like, I just, yeah, I followed her lead. And then we both, she's hilarious on her own, right? So like, we just kind of did it. And then we got approached by network. It's almost like the Instagram thing. It's like when you go on reality TV and everyone starts being like, I'd love to represent you. I'd love to represent you. I'd love to represent you. And you're like, ah, yeah. what do I do with all these? I don't know who's and what, good. And what did you do? We just started interviewing people. We just started being uh. like, let's like, we didn't take anyone right off the bat. And this is a testament to her telling me we shouldn't take the first thing that comes our way. We should let them kind of fight over us for a little bit and we yep. should get our numbers built up super high and then let them fight for us because that's then what I, I never ended up saying with the network, obviously MCs and I, we kind of put that one away. And yeah. then when I started my podcast back, I put all my own money into it. I did everything myself and then network started approaching me. And if it was anything below the deal me and MC had been offered, I was like, no, because I know. Can you say what the deal is? Sure, was? yeah, it was it was for $325,000. Guarantee. Guaranteed. Damn. Yeah, and I, I'm missing That's some of the details really probably, impressive. but that was like, get, like, like, we'll give that to you. And yeah. then anything you make over that is also yours. Yeah, once you like maybe yeah. make it up in ad sales or whatever, then we'll give you what's yeah. on the top. And so like we were, and, that, and like, that was after like 10 episodes. I remember we were just like, what's happening? What the Fuck, yeah. this is insane. And so anyways, when that fell through, obviously, because the podcast dissolved with the both of us, I was like, anything I get offered, like, I'm not taking it. Like, I'm not taking it. If it doesn't make sense for me to have, as in general, as a networker, as someone that could help me elevate me, cross promote me, do all these things that I know is worth that amount of money. Yeah. If I don't have that, then why the, I'm not entertaining any of this. I don't need, like my startup home. Everyone's like, you need to buy a startup home. I'm like, why? I'll just rent my startup homes and then I'll buy my dream home. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. so like that with the podcast, I'm like, I'm not gonna get a startup network. Do you know the amount of growth that could have in a year? Yeah. I'm not gonna sign with a startup network for a year and then get massive and then have this like network that I just did because it was just, I, I should be signed to someone. Luckily for me, I can afford to like 
do the good production, do it the right way. And so I poured a lot of the money I made from Instagram into having a bomb ass cool podcast. And then it got to a point where, you know, one of my dream networks was like, we'd like to represent you. And I was like, oh my God, perfect. It's, I'm, I just want to put out there, it's it's really, really incredible because the if you look at the percentages of podcasts that can monetize at like a average level when they start on their own, yeah. it's really low. Totally. And then a podcast that starts on their own, no network backing. You guys are literally doing the plugs to get the audio going. Yeah. And after 10 episodes, getting a 300 plus K offer, that is unheard. Guys, that is like, if you're listening, that is the top 1% of most podcasts. That's absolutely incredible. That was cool. We Success story. Fast forward right now. Tell us what deal you ended up taking and where you're at. So I'm with your media now, but that is all to be said that I like, the rug was ripped out from underneath you. So when you're like, you never cared about stuff, couldn't this just all in tomorrow? It did in tomorrow for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but I had obviously like, it wasn't like I went out and bought a boat and was banking on the, the 325. Like, <laughs> I just mean like all that shit can end. And I never was like, well, now I guess I can't do it. And to MC and her husband, Ricky's credit, they were like, promise us you will continue. Promise us you will do this. And I was like, I need to take a motherfucking break. And I need <laughs> just a quick little moment. And then my long-term relationship ended a month after the podcast ended. So it was like a lot all at once. I was like, whoa, my boyfriend moved out of my house. My podcast ended, mm, what the fuck? And then I'm like, but I still drive a G-Wagon. But I, I, <laughs> I and that made me happy every time I got in it. But yeah, I just basically was like, I'm not gonna stop and I'm gonna wait until I get the Dream Network. So actually really cool in business news, maybe you've talked about it even, the acquisition from yeah. the Toast massive huge we'll cover that in state stay tuned to the recap we're going to cover the acquisition toast by dear media okay yeah so then you guys can look forward to that basically i was approached by the toast who i love and it made so much sense for that to be like my home like the cross promotion like we have such similar fan bases and like they're just wonderful perfect. i just it was a perfect fit but they were like you know like hold off on signing because we just like need to kind of iron some things out i was like that's cool my season's ending soon and i'm gonna take a little break anyways i usually do that um every interim like it's okay no worries and then fast forward they were like so we're being acquired or the i don't know how you would phrase that but yeah. we're being acquired by Dear media yeah, yeah. and yeah. i was like shut the fuck up like i i mean that's like perfect that is a perfect fit for me it's a perfect fit for the toast like it's just everything was just like a little dreamsicle and i was like this fucking rules my life fucking rules it's the full circle of knowing that you're always yeah. gonna make it one way or another i mean that's the perfect connection you girl with no job gets into dear media i mean it's absolutely perfect let me ask you this rapid fire question what do you make more money on instagram or your podcast Instagram because I have literally not even done one ad on my podcast yet. So I start monetizing my podcast next week. Okay, gotcha. So that never come, did, never be... took ads. Like everyone would be like, random yeah. companies would be like, can we give you this, this, this? And I always said like, and I would tell my listeners, I'd be like, one of these days, you motherfuckers better sit here and listen to every ad and click on all this <laughs> shit all of it. because I am giving you ad-free premium content out of my pocket, motherfuckers. Take and it. so <laughs> everyone has been like, so cool. Like we can't wait to hear your first ad. Like they're just like it. so nice. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, All right. What about goals? Do you have a goal like in 20, when you look at 2023, you're yeah. like, I need to make a million bucks. I need to make 2 million bucks. I need to make seven figures. I need to make 200,000. Do you have like a goal, a target for 2023? I never, ever think I need to have a like money goal. Although like I would love to make $2 million next year, but I, 
I always say like, if I'm not making this, like I have to make the same amount of money or more than I made next year. I always want to at least increase a little bit. Gotcha. I actually never say I want to make the same amount of money. I always say I want to increase. And if I literally increase by $5,000, then I'm like, okay, I made more. I don't ever focus on like the number like that. I think that would like really stress me out, but I always have like big career goals. Like I really want to, and I'm just not like money focused like that. Like I don't, I really don't look at it like that. I and I'm not trying to sound, I know you're like, that's no, so admirable. I'm like, I'm no. really not trying. I probably should put some actual number goals, but I, um, I want to do live shows next year. I want to go like on tour with my podcast and I want to like do something really big, like on a travel scale with the podcast would just be like really exciting for me. So cool. I mean, we're gonna have to do a part two because you are A and I am Z on the spectrum <laughs> of how we're motivated and how we manage. All right, we're gonna do one quick segment and then I'm gonna get your training secret. The quick segments, the Curious Canadian versus Shannon Ford. You guys all know the voice of the viewer. He comes on the recap. He asks me all the questions that he doesn't know. I feel like there's a lot of similarities in both their sense of humor and their personality. So I'm gonna ask you just a few questions of things the Curious Canadian didn't know. Your goal is to know one of them, okay? okay? Hey, quick, rapid I fire. I bet I won't. <laughs> Business-wise, what does KPI stand for? KPI, <clears throat> it is <laughs> kilometers per interim. There you go. Over one. <laughs> Here we go. What does short and long mean in the market? Fuck. Okay, the big shorts movie. Okay. So, obviously, it means when... The short is bad. Everything's bad. The big wow. We're going to go to the Curious Canadian and see if we'll get credit for that. Third question. What is a loss leader? The guy who's leading and being really good at failing. I've done it before. <laughs> okay. We're still waiting for that one. What is a tertiary position? What does that mean? Tertiary. You're kidding. <laughs> okay. We're going on the next one. What does antiquated mean? Antiquated. I for sure know this one. Okay, fucking yeah. be smart for two seconds, Shane. Hold on. If you've antiquated something, it means you've not acquired something, but you've. It's oh fuck me. I really, I really just, I don't know. Can okay. you ask me something a little like go Can a little level? Below. This is the last. One. These are all things he didn't know. Remember this. Okay. None of these he knew. So okay. it's not like you. He knew them all. He didn't know anything. Antiquated. So I this is. Know that one. Okay, that was a good, that was a good one because he that was one he showed. The tertiary is hilarious. We're gonna hit that in the recap, guys. Stay tuned. What is an IRA? Like a breakfast thing. You know what an IRA is. An IRA fund, like like a Roth fund. Okay, there's a, a Roth, Roth or a IRA. traditional IRA. It is something that you put. No, that's a 401k where you put money in and, and you, so, oh my God, you're so, so, warm. so, a, so a Roth IRA would be something that you acquire over time because you're like putting small amounts of money. Your, doesn't your job give you a Roth IRA or do you make your own Roth IRA? So you, a 401k comes from a, usually a corporate position, okay. but you can have a Roth IRA. It's, it's, it's after taxes or traditional IRA so, as your own. You need to have a traditional IRA. Yes. And that is something that you put small amounts of money and you can't touch until you're like, 60 or something and then one day you get it all back and it's gained interest okay i'm gonna give her credit for that we're gonna go to the recap see if david will give her credit before we go to the recap that was unbelievable by the way we gotta what leave is turkish leave. what is it it was a uh, tertiary position okay so tertiary position suppose you own a home okay yeah then so you own it and then the bank has a lien on it and then there might be a secondary lien a tertiary position is the third lien on it it was hilarious. Don't they David, take that shit David away from you at that David point? Car it's more like business loans. David called it like, what the hell was that Sherry something? Like, it was <laughs> hilarious. It was great. We'll get to that recap. We got to wrap with one trading secret. Shannon Ford, a life lesson, a money management lesson, a career guidance lesson. Can't get in a textbook. Can't learn in a classroom. You can only learn from Shannon Ford. What can you leave us with?
Okay, obviously I'm not gonna go finance-based, but from a personal standpoint, I think like truly, and I a lot of the times I say like, it's really so much easier to be yourself than to pretend to be someone else or to get wrapped up in that kind of stuff. But I'm gonna take it a step further because maybe someone listening to this podcast is someone that has a bold personality or something of the sort and they tend to exaggerate mm-hmm. or dare I say lie. And I think I've, I realized I used to be such a little fucking liar, like about <laughs> stupid stuff, just yeah. like to spruce the story up to like, you look so stupid when you lie and yeah. you liars don't realize they do. They think like, duh, everyone's believing this, but like they really don't. Everyone knows you're lying and you end up getting caught in your lies. And I'm not even talking about big stuff. I'm yeah, literally like talking about like stuff. exaggerating stories to make them better, whatever. Like, just don't do that. It's okay to not know things. Like in life, like what I just did, like I'm yeah. not embarrassed that I didn't know any of that. Yeah. It's okay. You don't have to like lie your way. Fake it till you make it is such a thing. Yeah. Like we don't always have to fake it till we make it. Sometimes yeah. we can just genuinely be like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm so sorry. I never learned that. Can you like enlighten me? I think that's so brilliant because it's so relatable. Like they're going to be like, most people, 95% of the people, the questions I just asked, will not know the things you knew. And you not knowing is so relatable to them. And then it makes it easy for them to learn. Yeah. And how else do we learn when we're trying to be like pretentious and suck up like you don't know this and we're judging and it creates such a headache. Yeah. We've never had a trading secret where someone has said, don't lie. And I yeah. think <laughs> now more than ever in 2022, more than ever, when you lie, your ass is going to get caught. You just are. There's so much visibility and are. transparency to everything well, we're doing. And people that do that, it was me, it me. You don't realize that people can so easily see who you are. You don't even have to be a smart person to be an intuitive person. Exactly. And people are intuitive to your bullshit. And like, yes. just don't be the person that everyone's like, oh yeah, she's such a such a good girl, such a funny girl. But God, she's so annoying when she does the, it's annoying. It's yeah. like not a good personality trait. And Ugh. I'm glad I got over it because like, it's just not, you, people see you for who you are and you don't want to be that person. I love it. Well, Shannon, I could have gone literally two hours for you. There's so many things we didn't get to that I wanted to get to but we are constrained on time. Thank you so much for coming on Train Seekers. Where can people find your podcast and everything you got going on? Podcast is probably a podcast. My Instagram is probably Shannon Ford. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Shannon Ford and that's a wrap. Bye. All right, I am trading secrets with a listener. We have Julie on. Julie, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. And where are you out of? Boston. Boston, born and raised? Yep. Yep. Patriots fan? More of a Tom Brady fan. Okay. All right. I can appreciate that. Well, he's going through a lot and we did just cover uh, his divorce and much more with the best divorce attorney. So if you guys haven't listened to that episode, check it out. But Julie, tell me your career story. So I was climbing the corporate ladder in tech. I worked at Apple and Amazon and all of these places and kind of was collecting my gold stars there. But When the pandemic hit, I was looking for something different. It just got a little crazy in my life. And I started this side hustle, teaching people how to sell printables on Etsy. And it was kind of the perfect storm because at that time, people were looking for a more flexible opportunity. And I had the course ready to go. And I just kind of jumped ship and dove into that. And that's what I do now. Okay, that's wild. So you're at some of the best employers in the entire world, Apple and Amazon. Then you jump ship to help people with principles on Etsy. Let's dive into this. What'd you study at school? Political science. Political science. And how do you land a job with Apple out of school? It took a little bit of a journey. So I was a liberal arts kid. I played D3 field hockey. I think you were an athlete as well. Yep. It was what I was into at the time. But then when I graduated college, even though I had a good degree, I realized, wait, I need some concrete skills. 
So I actually went and got my master's online in computer information systems. And that's an incredible growing field right now. I highly recommend it. If I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I would definitely do that. But I found over my course of the years that just from my perspective, the corporate life just wasn't as flexible as I needed it to be. So it did land me at Apple. I had some great opportunities. I got a, connected with someone at the Grace Hopper Conference, which is a conference for women in computer science. And I got a scholarship to go there and a bunch of things kind of doors open for me there. So that's how I ended up getting into these big jobs. It's like you need that first big tech introduction. Okay, that is amazing. And at Apple, did you work in retail or at headquarters or what was your role? I was a project manager on the watch team. Okay, project manager on the watch team. And how much around can you make in that type of world? You can, in tech, you can absolutely make six figures pretty young. And as you increase in your career, you can make multiples of six figures. It's totally possible. So if someone is looking for a career that's chasing money and it's fun, it's genuinely fun to work in tech, then I think that's a great opportunity for people. Amazing. And all the statistics align with women in tech. It's just blowing up and the opportunities are endless. Um, so you jump ship, you go to Amazon from Apple. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And what actually made you leave to go to Amazon? So a couple of things at the time, my husband and I had just spent five years in Colorado and that was an amazing place to spend your 20s. And I think we just had a little bit of a tougher transition to Silicon Valley and the pace and everything there, whereas Seattle was more of our speed. And I think too, for myself, Apple is one of the most amazing companies in the world. I mean, so is Amazon, but the level of dedication and focus that you need to have to be successful there, you need to be all about it. You need to love it. Think about it night and day. And the people that I worked with there were just so incredible and so passionate about the products. And I was too, but I was starting to develop these side hustle interests. And I knew I would have to give up that part of my life. I couldn't do both. I couldn't be all those things and be successful there. Whereas at Amazon... I, even though also it's a, it, not an easy job for say, I mean, I think Amazon is known as being one of the more difficult employers, but I saw a lot of other people that had side hustles, that had side businesses. And when I was interviewing there, I said, you know what, this is more my speed. I want to keep my corporate career going, but I want to see what else I can do on the side. And if I see other people that also are doing that, I know that it's something, a supportive place for me to explore who I want to be. Okay. This is the golden question I've gotten a million times. How do you land an uh, interview at Amazon? Because I've heard if you put a uh, resume down their application portal, it's like the biggest black hole in the entire world. So how'd you get the interview at Amazon? I think I actually applied off the website, but I would say getting that master's degree and it was very specific to what the job application what they were looking for that was what opened the doors for me now if i could do it again i would get to know someone that works there because i know referrals in any job you automatically get through at least the first resume dump so that's what I would suggest to anyone that wants to get into a company like that now. That's what I heard with Amazon is if you can get someone higher up the ladder to actually go through the system and send the referral, it immediately cuts you to the top. So that is awesome. When you went to Amazon, knowing that you did it for the purpose of potentially having some more flexibility with side hustle, did you have to take a pay, de uh, pay cut or did you increase your total pay when you made the move? No, I took like a $50,000 pay cut. Wow. You don't leave Apple because of the money. Let's just say that, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it was, and, but to me at the time, I, I don't, I don't want to say I bet on myself, but I just knew, okay, I need to make a choice here. Do I want to be a director at a tech company, which is an incredible job and yeah. it's amazing and, and one of the best companies in the world. That's great. But that's all I'm 
I felt like that's all that I was capable of doing there. And maybe there's somebody else that's a superstar and could have done all the things, but I just didn't see that. Whereas I knew, okay, by moving to somewhere that I have a little more wiggle room and outside at nights and weekends, I can start to build my side thing. Then I can be an entrepreneur and maybe I'll be more successful on that route, which I ultimately have been. So I think it was a good bet. But yeah, at the time it felt a little bit like I was somewhat moving backwards but I was still excited for the change of pace and the chance to do it. I love it. Sometimes you take a salary decrease, but it has a much bigger impact on what the overall picture looks like and what the future will look like. I think anyone out there, great takeaway is like, really, just like businesses do, you have to put forecasts in place for your business. What will it look like in two, three, five years? You have to do that for your career. And if the place that you're headed based on your work input isn't a place you want to be, you have to make adjustments. Even if it requires taking a $50,000 pay cut, you end up leaving Amazon at the pandemic because this Etsy printables business is, is blowing up. For someone who doesn't even know what Etsy is or what printables are, we'll first start with what they are and how you got into it. Sure. So Etsy is a marketplace that is really focused on handmade products. People have probably shopped for awesome Christmas gifts from people from Etsy. You can get really personalized, cute things there. What you might not realize is that they also sell digital downloads. These are printable files or files that you can use on your computer, your phone, and they can be made on a computer. And the beauty of doing this versus selling handmade on Etsy is that it's so scalable. So you can sell to 2000 customers, whereas a handmade product it would take you a lot of time, a lot of materials, a lot of investment. And I know because I was doing temporary tattoos on Etsy first, and then I discovered the concept of the printable and realized I could get a lot more return on my time if I just focused on that. So give me one example of what a printable would be. One example. So I started selling bachelorette party scavenger hunts. So these were funny things that people could take on bachelorette parties and check off, like request single ladies at the bar, buy the bride a shot, those have been my best sellers in my store. Okay, but I would think something like that's like easily copyable. Like couldn't they couldn't I just buy one and then or couldn't they see the image of what they're buying and just print it off? So, in order for it to be high quality print, you would really need to get a PDF and also 99% of the people are either not techy enough or not they don't have the time to really recreate this. So a lot of people do think that, but most people, they just want to get it done. They're like, I'm going to a bachelorette party tomorrow. I'm flying out. Like, let me just find something on Etsy. That is cool. Yeah, I had someone that I went to high school with. It was Krista Waldeen. And I, I, I'm not sure if the forum was Etsy or not, but she was an artist. And so she would create these different pieces of art that was used in education. And then she scaled that by selling those those pieces that she owned and that art was used at like a huge, huge level. And I know she did very, very well with it. So you get into printables. Uh, you start with these bachelor, bachelorette scavenger hunts. How do you scale the business from there? Because Tell me if I'm wrong, but for some reason, I'm trying to scratch the numbers. If you're just doing batch or batch or printables, how much were they selling at? They were selling at like $8 a pop. Eight bucks a pop. You, can you push enough volume to subsidize your Amazon income? You can do it as a side hustle. So I've made over $10,000 in a year on Etsy, but the way that I was able to leave my job at Amazon is that it became something bigger. Okay. Tell us more. I was on a student loan journey. And I paid off all my student loan debt. My husband paid off his debt. And then we were kind of thinking, what's next? So we wanted to do financial independence, retire early. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's people that save a massive amount of money to walk away in their 30s. Now that we're in our 30s, we're like, oh, we like what we do. We don't want to actually stop working. It seems <laughs> silly. But at the time we were like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. So 
I became obsessed with it and started a very small, very modest, humble podcast where I would interview other experts. And the beauty of the podcast was just getting a chance to pick the brains of people that I would feel uncomfortable kind of asking for their time in any other setting than a podcast, right? So I had 200 people that really inspired me and I had someone on that sold printables on Etsy. And from there, I kind of asked my listeners, hey, this sounds really fun. Would anyone like to try this with me? And I got maybe 10 people. And for six weeks, we did this little mini mastermind where we met every week and talked about our progress. And that was kind of the start of me saying, wait, there's something here. Other people think this is as cool as I do. I've had success with it. I have a small platform with the podcast. Maybe it can turn into something bigger. Mm -hmm. And it ultimately became an online course, which was what has grown into my business now, Gold City Ventures. That's allowed me to leave my job. So the online course does what exactly? If I buy the online course today, what can I expect? So you will get access to video tutorials that show you step-by-step how to find the right product ideas, how to make the products on your computer, how to list them on Etsy, how to make sure that they sell. It's kind of the tutorial how-to. It's like a YouTube, but it's all coordinated for you, kind of done for you in the order that you're supposed to do it. And that's the beauty. It's like a done for you thing instead of searching yourself. Amazing. And where could I find the course and what's the cost of it? So it's $197 and you can find it at goldcityventures.com. We just sell it through our website there. That is amazing. And do you make more doing this now than you did at your Amazon job? Yes. It's way, way more. Unbelievably more. And it's it blows my mind. Like when I walk around the neighborhood and I talk to people, I'm like embarrassed to tell them what I do because I don't even know how to explain it. It's yeah. easy to say you work at Amazon now. I'm like, oh, I teach people to sell printables. They're like, what's a printable? But it's it's crazy. I feel that. When people ask me what I do, I'm like, I don't know. It's a, b- a bunch of shit. Like <laughs> literally a bunch of shit. How much time you got? Um, all right. So you, you did you make more than you did at Amazon? We all know you took a $50,000 pay cut. Do you make more doing what you do today than you did at Apple? Oh, absolutely. I don't even mind sharing with you. It, it's crazy. So this year, so tell awesome. numbers, I've if you don't mind. made over $600,000 and so has my business <sighs> partner each. And we're on track for a multi-million dollar year with the company that could pay us. It could be a million dollars, could be 800000 each, who knows? But it's just incredible to me what is possible with an online business. Selling online courses. Wow, that is amazing. Julie, thank you so much for sharing your story, your career journey. What a badass journey. I totally relate to the retirement in your 30s. It's something every banker does. They go full speed, 21 to 31. They work a million hours a week. They're burnt out and then they take that break. But not many of them find something like you have found to not only be passionate about it, not only help others, but make more than you did before. It's such a fucking cool story. I love it. Where can people find you, Julie? You can find me at goldcityventures.com or I have a very small Instagram millennial boss, but I'm not, all my success has not been because of social media. It's, that's not how I drive traffic. And I love that because anyone at home, you can do it the same way. I did check out your Instagram. It's about what? 7,000 followers? Yes. Okay, so 7,000 followers in a multi-million dollar business are on its way to being one. Congratulations, Julie. Thank you so much for coming on Trading Secrets. Thanks. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell with the one, the only, the curious Canadian on the Shannon Ford podcast. I'll tell you what. David, you and Shannon, you just you do remind me a lot of one another. Same energy, good stuff all around, but I got to kick it to you. I know you got a million thoughts after that episode. What are you thinking? Yes, uh, we are fairly similar. I'm probably a little more tame on the podcast than she was, uh, which if you say that to people, they might not realize that we're very similar, but 
when I met her that one time in Nashville, she was super likable and a very rare person who I think has taken being a villain on a one season of a TV show and turned pretty likable with a pretty uh, loyal following. So I actually thought it was a really great podcast, really great energy. What were your thoughts on that? I love that. I mean, I actually remember that night that we met her. We met her and she was with Gurney at the time. They weren't dating, but they were together because I was yeah. with Gurney. That's how we got connected. And it was actually that night, David, I told her about the agency we run and Evan was with me. He was randomly in town. I'm like, you got to meet Evan, go connect with him. And I'm telling you, he's going to get you some of the best deals out there at a volume that you haven't seen yet. She's like, all right, I'll give it a try. And you know, all these months later, we still work with her. Uh, we still get her deals, which is really cool. And that was all from that one night. What a blast that was. But I do have to say this, Curious Canadian, mm -hmm. it does sound, let's just kick it off with this. Is it fair to say that you and Shannon, you kind of both flopped on the business Q&A <laughs> rapid fire there? <laughs> Yeah, I would say that's fair, but it also sounds like a lot of us struggle with business and financial literacy. So I feel like there's a lot of people out there that don't know where to start when they have questions about investing or, or that they want to invest. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. That's also like a huge premise and mission of this podcast. But that point you just made brings up a really good point is that if you guys have been following the Trading Secrets Instagram, I've been working, there's this new company out there called Magnify and they're a little different, right? So they're an AI powered investment app. And I think it's perfect for both. It's you and Shannon, you guys need this because essentially what you can do is get the answers to a ton of investment and market questions you have right in the app. And you can get the confidence, like actually do it on your own because you can ask this AI powered system questions and it gives you the answers. So that's something that I feel would be perfect for me and for a lot of people out there. Uh, if Shannon and eyes of the world uh, had an ability to just open up the app and get a answer, ask it a question and get an answer, that seems like it'd be pretty beneficial because it seems like it can be scary for a lot of people. So you're telling me I can do that? I can open this app, ask it a question, it'll give me an answer, I'll get educated on it? 100%, I'm gonna actually send it to Shannon too because you can do it on Android, <laughs> iOS, your computer, I use it on my iPad. And I think the thing is like whether, cause you ask me these questions a lot, but whether you're looking for more details on stock or just like you even ask me like what's happening in the news, like what do I need to know, Jay, that you've been curious about, you can do it through the app. So whether you're getting started, or I think I know what's on top of people's mind too, because I put my question box on Instagram a lot. They're talking about retirement. You could just talk into the investing AI assistant, get data, get insights, and make investments all in one place. So you for sure will have to check it out. It's a great way to start individually investing and to grow. I know you've talked about it too. Now they have a baby on the way, grow your mm -hmm. long-term portfolio. Yeah, it, it definitely sounds something like I'm going to check out. It's something that I need. Uh, a lot of the things that we've heard from this podcast have been very beneficial. This sounds like one of them. I think anyone else out there, if you have questions about the market or want to get started, this sounds like something that we got to we gotta adapt here. We got to get on board with. We got to make it part of our everyday life. Uh, not only should you do that, David, but Shannon should, for, should do that. Shannon, if you're listening, go check it out. You, Shannon, anyone that has investing questions, uh, just you, what you can do to go check it out. Of course, we got a code from Instagram, Trading Secrets, but go to just jason.magnify.com to start investing with AI-powered assistant today, Magnify. I'm going to literally follow up with you, David, and make sure that you checked it out. 
Nothing like a little Monday morning tip there to start the week off right. Uh, you got maybe one week build, to download it. Go check it out. <laughs> maybe, like you said, build some generational wealth there uh, for the baby. You know who's not building generational wealth? Uh, <laughs> Shannon Ford. So when I heard that comment, I instantly went in your brain and I was like, I need to get Jason Tardick's actual real reaction when Shannon Ford said, I'm not trying to get generational wealth. I don't want to leave them anything. They could be little shitheads anyways. I mean, I fucking love her honesty. Like I love like the perfect picture answer is everything that she didn't say, which is amazing. I love that. That being said, um, I don't know. I just couldn't. I don't, we're so different in the way we live. I just, I'm so worried and so focused on the dollars because those dollars give me freedom, give me flexibility. It can like kind of leave a legacy once you're gone. Like still talk about, yeah, grandpa helped paid for, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to have kids or whatever, but there's so much you could do with it. So I guess I just, we just think so differently. So it's tough for me to comprehend it, but it also was so refreshing. It was refreshing. I'm like, wow, it like took weight off my anxiety shoulders. I think one thing that was really unique with her was the her authenticity got her the social media job, like how she approached that and how she ended up getting the job with Kristen Cavallari and, and Uncommon James. And then she had honesty about her reflection about wanting to be famous on her own. And she kind of has this like blind confidence, like her quote, <laughs> I'm so confident I will always make money in this life. And that's kind of her MO, like that's kind of, how she kind of goes about it. But I I do really like your answer and how you were going to approach generational wealth and kind of educating and seeing if they execute and having the money at the end of it, teaching those life lessons. So did I, I think I just got a parenting tip from Jason Tardick on Trading Secrets. <laughs> there you go. A little parenting tip from Jason Tardick and a little anti-anxiety, just fucking go do it from Shannon Ford. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I, I also would say too, I think for anyone out there, if you are interviewing for a boutique or a small business or even like a middle market sized business, you really want to, I think, just show your true colors because people like the Kristen Capillaries of the world, people that are managing these, they die for that. Like we all have all small businesses. If I had someone do what she did, I'd be like hire immediately. We're more in the corporate space. Obviously it's different. You're looking for like less risk, less liability. So people out there, when you are interviewing, just adjust and tailor accordingly. I just think what she said was so true. Like she got and she was on Kendra Scott and all these other websites trying to copy what they do for their jewelry. And she's like, no, if I actually get this job, I don't want to stress myself out trying to pretend to be someone else through this phone and social media. I loved her attack on that. One other person who's really authentic and, and made a brand for herself is Girl With No Job, Claudia Oshry. She mentioned who has the podcast Morning Toast, has been on our mm -hmm. podcast before, just got acquired by Dear Media. You said to bring it up. So I just wanted to touch on that for the people who are big uh, Girl With No Job and Dear Media fans. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's brilliant what Dear Media has done is to have a strategic partner like a Girl With No Job. So she has her own network, like brilliance and kudos to her. So she built podcasts under her network that kind of reflect her brand. Obviously, I think people can draw parallels between Shannon and Claudia. So they acquired Shannon's podcast and then they created a strategic partnership from my understanding uh, with Dear Media and the Toast Network. And then... Also, interesting fun fact that comes back to one of our episodes, Boy With No Job, the husband of Girl With No Job, started a seltzer company, a hard alcohol seltzer company, which is blowing up. 
And Dear Media does really cool things where they will invest in certain brands that they think are like the future of consumer packaged goods. So they actually invested in Claudia's husband's company. And there's like a total like 360 global working relationship there. It's very smart. I feel like that industry has got to be one of the hardest to enter right now, the hard seltzer industry. Like I remember the good old days where you used to go to the grocery store and there'd be like two options, White Claw and Truly, and that was it. And now you go and it's just like 75,000 brands. So just one of those industries I feel like would be almost impossible to enter. So to have the backing of Dear Media would be pretty uh, important. Do you think it's one of a, like one of the harder industries to get into? It's, I mean, literally anything in the alcohol business mm-hmm. or anything in consumer packaged goods, which are packaged products that you go and buy at the grocery store. I have invested in one. I've looked at about 10 different companies in the last three months. It's really tough. Now, if you take off, your multiples are nuts. Let's talk about one that's quickly taken off. I just talked to um, a gentleman who works in market, a good friend of mine that works in marketing on Prime, uh, the sports drink. They have absolutely crushed it. They have done with a consumer package good what most brands can't do in 10 plus years, and that's Logan Paul's drink. So there is something about the right type of influencer being behind a brand that could have a take off. But just because you're an influencer does not mean your product will succeed. And I have seen many products completely fail. So there's so much that goes into it. But I think at the end of the day, it goes comes down to the quality of the product, the marketing of the product, and the distribution of the product. The, uh, the primes are awesome. The only times I've had primes in my life were actually at your house this weekend that I met Shannon because I was hungover, I think, every day. <laughs> and just crushing, crushing primes in the morning to try and get back to neutral. So Did it work? Uh, Yes, it did. I honestly <laughs> thought it was great. That and, and BioSteel, those are my two go-tos when, when I need a little pick-me-up from the night after, as Kevin O'Leary would say, feeling a little crispy. Crispy. Um, <laughs> one other thing you guys mentioned, I think we've talked about it a little bit on the pod, but just the pros and cons of, of renting and buying. You and Shannon kind of went into it. She obviously lives a fairly like crazy lifestyle, not just like in the way that she travels and her works, but her expenses, which we'll get into right after this. So Really quick, just pros and cons of, of renting and buying uh, from your eyes um, and your experiences. And then, you know, I can share you a mind for being a, a fairly new house owner as well. Yeah, it's just a few out there, like pros of renting, flexibility, uh, no responsibility to maintain the area. Renting may be cheaper than actually owning a house. That's clearly changing these days. And if you need to make a quick decision or your work or travel frequently, then renting your house apartment like just doesn't give you a burden. You know, some of the costs is landlord can increase the rent in this inflationary environment. You can't build equity. There are no tax benefits, right? Those are pros and cons. Pros of buying the house, appreciation. It can also give you stability and settlement. Uh, you have complete freedom of doing whatever you want, how you want. It can serve in most cases as an investment. Let's talk about cons. I'm just rattling them off, right? Uh, it requires way more responsibility. There could be unforeseen maintenance costs to take care of things. Uh, it's not a liquid asset. Like you can't just snap your fingers and be out. And although you don't have to pay rent, uh, the other thing is that like, Taxes and uncontrollables can go up uh, is so much more. So it, it, for short term, like buying a house can be actually be much, much more expensive than renting one. And you really have to analyze the time you're going to spend in that location and that house to see if the return makes sense. I think that's a phenomenal uh, breakdown. I'm really curious on your thoughts on like 
what she said, like my parents grew up nine to five, Shannon, you got to get a starter home. And when you get the starter home, you, you buy the next home with the equity in there. I have a certain feeling on starter homes versus the home that you that you actually want. I'm curious if, if you think the starter home's the right play. I know everyone is in different situations, but I think some of the listeners who might want to be or are first time home buyers like feel like they have to take that step too. What's your what's your take on that? Well, fun fact for me is for someone who's lived in like fucking 10 cities, 12 different states, like all over the place, I knew my whole life that at least the first 10 years I'd be chasing hard. And even now I don't feel settled in Nashville at all. So I, crazy fact, I own companies, I've owned a lending company in which we will uh, invest in other people's real estate projects and then we'll lend money and get a return on it. But personally, me, my money, I've never bought on my own a piece of residential real estate that I'm living in. Done investment properties, never that I'm living in. So I resonated with her on this because of the flip flop flop. Now I live in Caitlin's house, right? So it's interesting. I think a lot of people historically have gotten their starter home and it's worked out perfect because the way real estate's appreciated. But for me, like mine, when I do buy a house, whether it's, you know, Caitlin and, and me together, we like split one or whatever happens. Uh, this next house, whatever goes on, it's not going to like, I'm going in. I'm going to yeah. have what I want. Like, I'm not buying it unless I look at it. I'm like sick. Well, I and think I'm, I'm the 34. Big, I've been working for 15 years and I, you know. Here's why I don't like starter homes. And this is for okay. me and my curious Canadian brain is I hate moving. I think the process of moving is one of the most expensive processes ever, not just with money, but with time and energy and stress. And moving house to house is a nightmare. And then when you get in your house, I don't care if it's a starter home, you're always going to want to make your house your own. You're going to need to paint the walls. You're going to want to buy all new furniture because the furniture that you're coming from the apartment won't fit. And then when it comes time to buy the real home, you're going to have to get all new furniture, do that process again. I think the sunk costs that you have in moving twice is money that you should just save and keep investing or inquiring or saving for the home that you want to be in. And I was really adamant about that. It just didn't make sense to me to buy the you know, $275,000 starter home when I'm going to incur $50,000 in moving costs to eventually get the house that's $350,000 down the road. So um, that was just my take on it. I was always very, very against the starter home. Yeah. And what's crazy, dude, is like, just think about what you just said, right? Starter homes for me in Buffalo and my buddies were like 70 to 125. Yeah. Now starter homes, 300K. And if you do put 20% down, where's it? 22, 23, 24, 25, 26 year old these days just coming up with 60K. I just still, I still fucking can't get over everything. It's like, it's insane to me. Went to the hockey store the other day, dude, you're in hockey. These sticks are $400 and every it's player insane. needs two sticks. Like where the, who the fuck's getting the money to pay for this and they're not i mean look at the stats 60 percent of americans right now are living paycheck to paycheck so i don't know we could go on for this forever yeah. but it, it is i agree i get your stance and i totally understand that all right we got to finish with the, with a little game i by the way I, obviously i loved the curious canadian versus shannon ford game uh, i was nice <laughs> we'll to do more of that <laughs> yeah it was very nice to uh hear her hear tertiary and just basically think that you were punking her same same way that i did um but <laughs> She had a Rolodex of expenses that she was uh, kind enough to be open and honest about. So we got to play the game of how much does Shannon Ford make a year because we've been doing that with guests in the past. And you said the guests say, you know what, we were pretty bang on. So I'm going to go over a list of things that she mentioned. 
Okay. Obviously, $450 a night she was spending in hotel fees, and she was there for almost half a month sometimes. She has $7K uh, a month for a New York City apartment, $4K a month for a Nashville place, $65K boat purchase. That just sounds like she used to, uses twice a year, $400 a month for a boat slip. She mentioned she drives a G-Wagon 75,000 times on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it makes her happy. I've been. Th- but I've, it makes her happy. The, the biggest thing I've taken away from this is when she said, like, that makes me happy. I've been thinking, like, will that make me happy if I spend it? So keep going. Yeah, when she said the quote, my boyfriend moved out of my house, but then I got in my G-Wagon and everything was okay. <laughs> uh, I'm curious what you think What you think her take home is, or do you want me to go first? Why don't you go first and let's break it down. So Detective and me also listened to the p- part where she said, uh, you asked her about numbers goals and she's not a huge number goal person. She just wants to make more money than the next year. She slipped in there that she wants to make $2 million next year. So I think... Shannon Ford, based on being able to afford all this and fly to Italy and eat caviar and fly to London, as she had mentioned, <laughs> I think she's a hair over the $1 million mark. I think she's in the $1.1, $1.2 million mark, which I think is wildly impressive because I don't know how many streams of income. She obviously crushes Instagram and has the podcast, but I'm going to throw out there 1.1. Your thoughts? I think that's pretty fair. Like before you said anything, my uh, instincts were more in that somewhere 600 to 1.2 and i know that's a big range but that's Mm -hmm. my guess if you look at some of those expenses and i do actually want to do this with her shannon if you're listening we need to do it um break down all these expenses right so you're talking at least 15 20k fixed that's just like bare bones and like you spend a couple other 10k traveling and everything which adds up you know that's you're talking about 30k a month easy and then you do the math that's 360k a year multiply that times 1.4 you guys know that's my my always my model or 1.5 just keep it simple now you're talking a 420 you're talking like 520 gross of expenses and for anyone out there that's confused by that 360 you're spending after your taxes so you always want to understand what are you spending before your taxes so take the money you spend multiply it times 1.5 that's gonna be 360 plus 180 that'll give you some type of reflection 540 of what you would have to make to spend that so i think you're you think you're getting pretty bang on david yeah i'm you know i'm getting kind of good at this so um you know, all all the all the well best wishes and good luck to her to hit that goal. Uh, we're all about that here. Uh, but it was great to have her on. Great energy, pretty electric. Uh, might have set the new record for most swear words in a podcast. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> when you're listening, you don't have uh, little kids in the car. Um, but that's just hey, that's Shannon Ford. That's what you're gonna get out of her. So uh, it was great having her on, and I, I could see her being a part two guest. I could see her being a part two guest, definitely joining us in the recap. A lot of you guys liked Low and Recap. Maybe we'll bring him back too. And then I think the other thing is go follow her on all her uh, Instagram handles because she is a great follow. She's built a great community and her fucking style game is next level if you need a little pick me up in that department. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Trading Secrets 1. Hopefully you couldn't afford to miss. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.